It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. On a Sunday morning, one of my favorite parts of Sunday morning is bringing you people that you can learn from, people you can get nuggets from, people that are just plain interesting. Have people that can add something to your life. And this morning, I'm telling you all, I have got a rock star on my hands. So when I went to Norfolk State University, I had a roommate and she was the bomb. I just loved her spirit because it was very calm, very reassuring. She didn't get caught up in drama. She just did her work. And her name was Jerry. As a matter of fact, some of you all might know her now. Her name is Jerry Keels, recently married. But her mother, you know, when we find ourselves uh, with certain dispositions and personalities or whatever, many times it comes from our parents, especially the parent of the same sex, they say has the same influence on you. So I always attributed the fact that Jerry was so such a wonderful person from her mother. And her mother is who we are speaking to today. <laughs> I call her Miss Wilma, but her name is Miss Wilma Horn, born and bred in Portsmouth, a native of the 757. But I'm telling you, when she spread her wings, she spreads her wings. Welcome to the program, Miss Wilma. How are you? Oh, boy, what a lovely introduction. I am fine. <laughs> well, you you are all of that and much more that I haven't even said. So some people in the area may know you because, like I said, you went to school right here in uh, Hampton Roads. Tell us yes, about, sir. tell us as much as you want to tell us about early life. Uh, like you said, born and bred in Portsmouth, so elementary days and growing up in the little community called Douglas Park. And I went on to Norcom, like uh, all of us in Portsmouth went on to Norcom. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Norcom experience was a, obviously a very good experience for me as for many others. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they had a grand reunion. Um, uh, this uh, Jerry got married on Friday, and his grand reunion was on Saturday. And let me tell you, the people were out there, happy, proud, beyond belief about having been associated with I.C. North. Wonderful. And where did you see yourself going, or what did you see yourself doing, Miss Wilma, after graduating? When you're like a junior and certainly as a senior, what, <laughs> what were your plans? Well, you'll hear me use the term back in the day, because there were, there were a few days ago that we had this. But back in the day, okay. the expectation was <laughs> that you would get married and teach, and it is if you went to college, that is. Mm-hmm. And I was adamant about going to college. Uh, none of my other sisters uh, had that fire, but I was insistent on going, So, and I was a good enough student to get scholarships and the like. So I ended up going to college. But like you said, after college, I majored in math, by the way, which was a uh, in those days, just a choice. I mean, it was something you liked best, mm-hmm. but it, it played a great role in my future. Um, so we went on to do that. And as a matter of fact, I got married at the end of my freshman year. You know, I think one of the reasons why you are my hero, because not only did you go to an HBCU, Hampton University, at, you majored, you got your Bachelor of Science in Mathematics. 
And Miss Wilma, I'm telling you this with all honesty. I was horrible in math. And to this day, <laughs> I don't understand it. So anybody such as yourself or Miss Katherine Johnson, anybody that can grasp the concepts of math like you all do, I am in awe of you because I just felt, I've always just felt so incompetent when it came to math. Oh, it's unfortunate because math is probably the easiest thing to do because it's all mine. Like I said, I got married at the end of my freshman year, but it did not demand a lot of my time. You know, you could kind of work out problems and do stuff in your head. You don't have to spend hours laboring over it. You You didn't. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So you got that degree in mathematics. That was around. Degree in mathematics, and like I said, I had already gotten married, so I fully expected to teach the rest of my days, and I did immediately teach. As a matter of fact, uh, you had a second daughter. You remember Marion? Yes. And uh, Marion was born at the end of my uh, end of my senior year by plan because my plan was to have those two children and get the children business out of the way, and I have to be bothered with that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have you are meticulous when it comes yes, to planning, yes, right? <laughs> I am a planner. I really am. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, she was born a little late. So she was supposed to be born to graduate graduate on first of June. She was born on the 7th of July, which I thought was a leap. Oh, wow. But at any rate, uh, she came, and boy, was she a bundle, too. So, but but you found time to go get the master's degree. uh, Well, I was teaching, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you could do it on a Saturday, and I could do it at Hampton, so why not? And you taught in Chesapeake. I taught in Chesapeake for six six years uh, at... uh, really at a junior high school, and I ultimately ended up, uh, you know, being department head. But that made me realize how difficult it would be to move anywhere, you know what I'm saying? Department head was a big deal, and I would have been the department head for the rest of my life, you know, if I hadn't left. Because, you know, in the school system, your teacher, all teachers were paid, you know, similar rates. Mm-hmm. You only had a department head to a school. Every school had one, you know. So after looking at all of that, I said, you know what? If I had a chance to do something different, I think I would. But lo and behold, I ended up divorced. <laughs> wow. So you had not planned that part. Well, not quite. Okay. But I kind of saw it coming. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but when it happened, I said, you know what? Let's go back to ground level zero here. And do what you want to do and would have done if you had not been married. But, Miss Wilma, this is part of what I'm trying to tell you. And then this funny, me trying to tell you. This is what is amazing because do you know how many women would find themselves in that same predicament, in that same position, and say, well, you know what, I'm not going to make any changes because at least... I've got these uh, two degrees, and at least I've got this department head. And so, you know what? I'm doing pretty good for myself, and I'm just going to remain here. Most people, I don't know if they would have the sense that you had to say, okay, well, this is time to reset. Well, it was not dreamed up out of the blue. I was an avid reader, and and I just have this firm belief that if it can come out of anybody's mind, it can happen. Mm-hmm. So 
as I would read, I would read and hear stories where people went on to do things that they had not planned to do and were successful at it with the plan and how they went about doing it. So I figured if they could do it, I could do it. So why not? Wow. You always miscalculate something. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all of this. I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm trying to do this with children. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm trying to do this as a black woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about any of those things. I'm just going out there looking for the job and seeing if I can get my step into what I wanted to do is to get into corporate America. Did, (laughs) Did you know that you wanted to do that through information technology? I did, and let me tell you, I learned about it at 15 years old. Okay. I used to work for, back in the day, we used to work as what we call uh, mother's helpers for uh, families, typically Jewish families who would hire somebody for the summer to take care of the children to free up the women. Oh, okay. And I had uh, found a family that I spent three summers with, by the way, so we got to be quite close. And there was a neighbor on the street who was an actuary for an insurance company. Mm -hmm. And that insurance company got one of the first computers to be used commercially. And that neighbor told me about that. You know, we were talking about it because I babysat for them sometimes. Mm -hmm. So he told me about that, and I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. But how you do it at 15 years old, I had no clue. Well, here I am now, divorced looking for a career, and guess what? In this area, I think it was the end of uh, probably the Vietnam War, they were doing a lot of, um, what do you call these, uh, parents, job fairs mm-hmm. for the, the the military men, especially the officers. Okay. And when I read about it in the paper, I called up and asked, could I come? They said, Sure. So I showed up and interviewed just like everybody else and got job offers, too. And out of the, I got, ended up getting three job offers, believe it or not. And out of the three, I chose what I considered to be the safest with the children, which was uh, for a company called Air Products in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. So there oh. I started as a programmer trainee and the career began. <laughs> Okay, but you make it sound so simple, Miss Wilma. You just make it sound matter-of-factly. Maybe that's the word. In hindsight, you could view it that way, but uh, I can't say I was really stumbling at it because I really had a plan, and uh, I proceeded with it. And, And the surprising thing was there was obviously no support for the plan because nobody could relate to what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I always laugh about the fact my dad, and the day that moving van came to move me to Allentown, I uh, had, uh, had purchased a, tru- uh, a chair from Haynes Furniture Company. I said, Dad, you got to get the chair today. He said, what's so special about that day? I said, I'm moving. The moving van is in front of my house. i got to have the van. i got to have the chair to take with me. He said, where in the world are you doing with a moving van in front of your house? <laughs> I said, Dad, I've been telling you for the last six months that I was moving. He didn't hear the word. I mean, it never even clicked. Uh-huh. And the same thing was true with the guy I was dating. You know, I'm talking about this every second I can think of. He drives by at lunchtime, sees the moving van, and said, what's going on over here? I said, the day is moving day. Moving day to where? Oh, my goodness. I said, I just told you last night that tomorrow is moving day. 
they just never, it just never, it just passed com- completely by everybody. Mm-hmm. But not you. <laughs> well, I, got, I certainly did get on that, uh, put that stuff on that truck, went on to Allentown and found myself a place to live and started my career. <laughs> and did you stay there two years before Xerox? Is that how that went? Well, yes, and uh, there was a reason for everyone to move, and I have moved a few times, all of them consistent with the career, so believe it or not, that's not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I was there for two years, and I had expected increases, raises, for those two years. And we ran into some wage price guideline stuff that was used as an excuse not to give the increases. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to understand... If I'm there, I'm moving from a place where I had babysitting help with my, my sisters. I'm moving to a place where I got to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. So I told my boss, I can't, I, this amount of money without the promised increases does, uh, does not allow me to survive. And he says, he told me, but you, you're so fortunate to be in this position. I said, Ooh. you know that they don't pay me no discounts for fortunate when I had to go to buy food or pay rent, yeah, I pay the same thing everybody else pays, and I'm telling you, the money's not enough. So he says that's the best we can do. I said, "You sure of that?" He said, "Yes." So I always had headhunters looking for me all my career. Mm-hmm. So the next time a headhunter knocked, I said, "I'm ready to listen now." And so you went to the Mid Atlantic Data Center, and you were leading a project team, and you did that nationwide. Yep. And then you ended up with—is it Burroughs? Yes, right. And the later became Unisys, which is what they are today. Unisys. You were there yep. a couple of uh, a couple of years, right? Now the significance of Burroughs, by the mm-hmm. way. Tell me. Uh, Unisys is that I had an international responsibility. I had development centers like in uh, in Australia and New Zealand. So that introduced me to the world of travel. Okay, okay. okay. You know, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you had to visit them mm-hmm. uh, at least once or twice a year. So I said, you know what, this feels good. When I get a chance and I'm not going to afford to pay for it, I might just do a little bit more of this. <laughs> but how did you manage with the children, being well, away from you your know, family? Uh, I, Pay for it like everybody else. You gotta, okay. they, you know, you, you got, you created good relationships with neighbors. And I always lived in communities where there were very few blacks. Mm-hmm. So the few that were there were very helpful to each other. Like I might live in a community where you could count twelve blacks in the whole city, whole town. Mm-hmm. You know, but they were very helpful because they had the same need to expose their children right, right. To, to to other black children. So that that was helpful. Pay for babysitting care. I had a young lady who had come over here from uh, Barbados, who, you know, how people kind of attach themselves to you. So she ended up being my babysitter when I traveled overnight. Oh, great. You know, so you, you, you work it out. If you, if you want to do it, you find a way. You did join the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey in 1990, and I you did. were on the 71st floor of the World Trade Center back in 1993. That's right. I went to the Port Authority as a as as part of a plan to come home. Okay. Uh, uh, there are not many major corporations in this area, mm-hmm. but there is the Marine Port Authority and there's the Airport Port Authority. So my intent was to go to the Port Authority, get that experience, and use that to come home 
to one of these, you know, the one of these jobs. Right. Um, but uh, Port Authority, well, and I don't know how these Port Authorities locally really work other than what they do, but there, oh. the Port Authority operated like a state government, mm-hmm. you know, with the okay. rules and regulations, yeah. Yeah. And, and they actually were responsible to the governors of the two states with commissioners in between. And let me tell you, I didn't like that politics stuff. <laughs> so you're Ooh, not a politician, I so mean, you found I, your I way. Like politics where I get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us, I am speaking with Ms. Wilma Horn. She is my guest today, and it's just good to hear about how people have lived their lives and are living their lives. And you know what? Listening to her, I know somebody out there is getting the strength to do something they should have done, but it's never too late. That's so right. how did you end up at Ethicon? Ethicon, is that yeah. a Johnson & Johnson company? It's a Johnson & Johnson company. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, I had made up my mind that I would not be able to retire mm-hmm. in comfort from the Port Authority. Okay. So the next time the hit hunters who followed me all around my whole career came knocking, I said, yep, we can talk this time. I said, but here's the deal. I'm tired of moving. So my restriction this time is I want a job where I don't have to move unless I move home. Mm-hmm. That was the only other thing. A Richmond would have, was a mild possibility in those days. But, you know, they weren't doing any big league uh, out of the area uh, hiring. Okay. So they ended up with the job at Johnson & Johnson uh, as the head of their IT department. And uh, Ethicon Company in particular, Johnson & Johnson had many companies. Mm-hmm. But Ethicon, believe it or not, was their largest. And they were looking for somebody to come in and... And by this time, I had gained the reputation of being what you call a, a fix-it person. IT shops are always okay. the source of a lot of negative comments from people. Nobody loves them. I don't love them either now that I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> but I could get them operating. You know, I could correct the problems and, and get them back to the point that the, the criticisms decreased. Okay. So, I was hired at Johnson & Johnson to do that for that department, and uh, and that that's where I ended up retiring from. 1999, and then you said, okay, well, I went to Hampton University. Let me turn around and see what's going on at Hampton University. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter is the thing that really prompted me to come home what's that? is that I lost two sisters that year. Oh, my goodness. One in April and one in September. So and how many sisters was it all together, Ms. Wilmer? There were seven of us all together. Oh, okay. And the one in sep- the one that I lost in September, we, we growing up, we kind of paired ourselves off. Mm-hmm. So the one that uh, died in September was my pair. Yeah, okay. And I said, you know what? Let me, I don't have to have every dollar in the world. Let me see if I can retire. And I had started investing back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I went to my broker. I said, you know, I want to retire. The question is, can I retire? And I don't want to be dependent on having to go to work. I'm like 56 years old now. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit early. So I, I had to, you know, bridge to Social Security and all that yes, stuff. Yes, yes. So they they worked up a little plan and told me I, I could do that, told me what my income would be. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I decided to retire and come home to finally spend some time with my family. When I left, 
Jerry was in third grade. Marion was just starting school, first grade. Right. So they had they they, they were down here every summer, but I was never down more than four or five days. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wanted to just come back and get to know family, and and of course after both of them became adults, they they came back here. So I wanted to you know get to know them as adults, and uh, and just and surprisingly enough, I was with Jerry last night, and. Uh, she had this little game and asked this question, what are you doing? What thing is you proudest of now that you think you may or may not have in 10 years? And that was the question for the evening. So everybody had to think about that. And I said, you know what? It's funny to say that because at this moment in my life, I have been seeing what I came home to see. Everybody is Okay. You know, everybody's working, mm-hmm. everybody's self-sufficient, mm-hmm. everybody's, you know, taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. We're over here for fun and nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry's recently married. She's happy as a lot. Yes, she is. I say so. You know what? This is what it was all about. That gives me goosebumps. I'm like Robin Roberts. Now, you're going to make me cry. I'm supposed to be trying to make you cry. You're about to make me cry. Yeah. But... Saying all of that, I need you to, in the next, we just have about 10 minutes, maybe not that long, but I just need you to explain to people the mindset where this single mother going all over the world fixing things for people ends up giving a seven-figure gift to Hampton University. <laughs> give give, give uh, us that. Give us that. Tell me. Well, you know, now that too is not not all that difficult. When I graduated, I was, like I said, I was the only one of my family who was interested in going to college. So I attributed everything that I had done to having gone to college, in particular Hampton, because Hampton not only gave you a degree, I mean, HBCUs, you know, take you in and teach you all the stuff that they know that you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like how to eat and how to dress and mm-hmm. how to behave, you know, they teach you all that stuff. So I think all of that played well for me career-wise. Okay. You all right? So I always figured that I always believed that Hampton was responsible for my ability to step out and do the thing. Because Hampton's saying, let your life do what? Let your life do the singing. Mm-hmm. You know, so immediately after graduation, I started giving back to them, like $25 a year, you know, something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. And I always gave to them, uh, I mean, except for maybe a year or two, some amount of money. Okay. And when I got into uh, corporate America with major corporations, they match what you give. Mm-hmm. So I, I increased my giving to get the full effect of the match. You know, at one point, the uh, company gave three to one. Yeah. You okay. know, so I make my little contribution, they give three times that. But... Hampton attributed all those givings to me. And so, see, you you were you were savvy enough that you had saved enough uh, that you could retire early, but at the same time, simultaneously, you were doing this giving because well, a lot of people thing. will tell you you can't do both, but you're well, living proof that you can. Well, I was investing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got into the investment world and. It, 
1980, when I left Xerox, way back in end of 80, mm-hmm. I opened my first brokerage account. And, of course, they educate you on that. So, you, you in essence, you've got two sources of income. Mm-hmm. You've got your income from your job, mm-hmm. and you've got your little income from your investment. Mm-hmm. So, over the years, you know, investment takes a different form depending on where you are. In those days, I wasn't trying to generate a whole lot of money from investing. But... Uh, but the intent was when I retired that investing would be my income. So during those days, I had a little bit of money, so and I and had income from from working. So it wasn't hard to give the twenty five dollars, a hundred dollars, or five thousand dollars. You know, you could do that. Go uh, ahead. I was going to say, ladies and gentlemen, you are speaking to, maybe I should call her Wonder Woman, Miss Wilma Horn. (laughs) She is on the line with us today. If you go to the campus of Hampton University and you go looking for, where is that science and technology building? I know it's somewhere on campus. Well, you're not going to find it because now it is the Wilma Harper Horn Science and Technology Hall. (laughs) It was dedicated that way. When Dr. Harvey was still there, what was the year on that, Miss Wilma? Uh, that was 2017. 2017 yep, was yep. when it was renamed in her honor. And by the way, they don't have to look for it. It's the first beautiful building you see when you go through the gate. <laughs> I can't imagine what it would even feel like to have my name on the side of a building. It feels great. I go visit her often. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. And I hope you go back there and I hope you drop nuggets for those students. I hope, you know, you should actually do an HBCU tour. Yes, I'm putting it out in the universe because you need to be out and and talking to our students. Um, I had a little rough week with some of my students. You know, I, I we have students at the radio station and, um, you know, sometimes they get a little off and you have to, right. you know get them back in line and so I had a little rough week with some of them this week but what you are what you have I think so many students could benefit from just listening to you and I think that they would learn and they would be motivated yeah as a matter of fact I was talking to uh, uh, Amanda and Candace you know my grandchildren last night and the idea is don't ever forget the future. I mean, you got to always think about the future. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's, you know, they give you these fast comebacks, you know, Grandma, that's so far off. Yeah, it is. And I say, just remember, Amanda, I want you to know that you have trouble saving. Just save to get yourself $2,000. Do it before you turn 30. Mm-hmm. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. $2,000 ain't a fortune. Mm-hmm. If you don't touch it, and when you turn 65, you'll be a millionaire, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You read that all the time. and It is the truth. Yeah. It is the truth. Mm-hmm. So and, and I tell them, yeah, but the key is young folks just, just, just want to live for right now. Mm-hmm. Not They don't want to think about tomorrow because they think something is going to take care of it. Well, something will, but you need to help it along a little bit. But I think oftentimes, Ms. Wilma, I think they they are listening. They put it back. Yes, they they might file it in a filing drawer in their Absolutely. mind, but they really do listen to what you're telling them. Yes, they do. My younger daughter, Marion, and I always had a, I, I would call it a challenging relationship because I, I never did stifle my kids in terms of the letting them express their feelings. Yes, ma'am. And, and let me tell you, it was hard to take sometimes, but 
you know, I, I wanted to know who they were, and I wanted them to be comfortable with me and, and, and sharing their feelings. Mm-hmm. But she was sick for, for many years, and I'm telling you, our conversations in later years, she would repeat often, Mom, that everything I would say. Now, she didn't yep. give me credit for it, by the way. Yep. But she ran into difficulty one time with one of, with her grand, with her daughter mm-hmm. as a teenager, and she called me up. I was living in uh, Detroit at the time, and she she says, "Mom, what do I do?" I said, "What? How am I supposed to know? I didn't know what to do with you." <laughs> That's well, mother. She says, "Yes, you did, and you did it so well." I said, "Repeat twenty times." Yes, you do, and you did it well. <laughs> You are a gem. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. I'm so mad we've run out of time, but I knew that you were a perfect person to talk to, and I'm just thankful that you agreed to do this show today, Ms. Wilma. Well, I kind of enjoyed it myself, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, I don't know. uh, You know what? I'm going to do it this way. If there's anybody out there that wants to talk to you or has been inspired by you today, I'm just going to tell them to get in contact with me and then I'll feed it to you. Will that work? Okay, sure. That'll work. Yeah, I got to I gotta make sure, you know, I'm taking care of you and protecting you, okay? Okay, that'll be fun. <laughs> all right. Ms. Wilma Horn has been my guest today. Thank you all for listening. You all have been my guests as well because you all have listened. My name is Cheryl Wilkerson. This is On The Line. We do it every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. You all go out, have a wonderful day, take care, and as always, behold the green and gold.